Welcome to Imagine the Possibilities with Intelia, where we showcase Intelia talent across departments. My name is Maritza Mikowski, Associate Director, Talent Attraction Programs. And my name is Ellie Kalamkaridis, Talent Attraction Partner. On this show, we take deep dives into all things culture and careers. We talk about career steps and missteps, development, growth, and more. Just imagine the possibilities of what we can learn together. Today, we are imagining the possibilities with Deb Anderson, Vice President, Head of Quality here at Intelia. Deb holds a degree in biology from Olivet Nazarene University. She has years of valuable experience working at some fantastic companies, most recently at Vertex Pharmaceuticals before joining Intelia in March 2022. Since joining, she's been actively involved in company events, including speaking in a fireside chat during Intelia's Q3 Development Day. A fun fact about Deb is that she moved from Los Angeles to Boston for a job opportunity, having only visited Boston once before for 24 hours. Hi, Deb. Welcome to the show. In the show intro, we provided a quick introduction, but we'd love to have you start and share your elevator pitch version of your bio. Tell us about yourself. Thanks, Maritza and Nellie. It's nice to be here. Elevator pitch. I've been in the industry a little over 30 years now, actually. So uh, it's been a a little bit. I started in the industry uh, actually as a second shift supervisor in the manufacturing, uh, in manufacturing. And it was only going to be temporary. I was uh, was just going to uh, work and, and make some money to pay off student loans and uh, try to, and I had just recently gotten married. So of course there's wedding expenses and I wanted to work until I found my dream job, uh, and which wouldn't be in the industry. And so, uh, so that's how it started. Wow. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to have worked in many different functional areas within biotech and drug development. And then I, uh, I was a supervisor on second shift, uh, a chemical scientist. I was, a uh, process development and technical support scientist. I went into regulatory uh, quality. So I like to say a jack of all trades, master yeah. of uh, a few. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow. And can you tell us like a little bit about what a quality department does or what a day in the life is for anyone who may not be familiar? Sure. So for us in quality, what we focus on is there's a lot of different areas of quality, right? Mm-hmm. There, we have different functional aspects. So currently our group, we're moving towards a more traditional structure. We have a, a systems and compliance role. And so in quality assurance, we are responsible. It's an oversight function, right? Quality mm-hmm. is. We're overseeing uh, the vendors that we select, the clinical sites, the clinical pro- programs. Uh, we have quality oversight of the manufacturing of our product and the distribution of our product. Uh, also, the IT systems that will support us across the GXP space, which is is uh, when they use the GXP acronym, it's uh, it covers GCP, uh, good clinical practice, good manufacturing practice, good distribution, good laboratory practice, all of those. Uh, so we have oversight to make sure that there's certain expectations of 
quality, meeting quality requirements. And we oversee that we have the right processes in place to make sure that those requirements are being met. Mm -hmm. And then we release drug out into the our clinical sites. So it's a little bit of a little bit of everything from a quality oversight function. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So this might just be for me to learn. <laughs> so when <there's... laughs> so I bet that I always think of quality as sort of the second half, but are you overseeing the quality in the research, the beginning research too, and making sure like all, like, like you just said, all the lab safety and all of that makes sense too. So are you really involved in all of the process beginning to end? So not necessarily. So I am hiring a new role that will have a little <laughs> more visibility into the into the early research and development, but really and truly quality oversight starts when it hits a, a certain point in the development process. Oh, okay. okay. And that's usually when we start doing, for example, animal studies oh. uh, or studies where we're, we're doing safety studies to determine that the drug is uh, going to move forward to the clinic. So that's really the starting point for us. That's helpful. Now, there's, there is some quality that can be done up front to make sure that whatever we're doing when we get to that point is mm -hmm. documented. And so that's what we're hiring for right now. Okay. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. So make it slightly viable. It's not the beginning research stages, to your point, it's maybe when you enter the animal stages. And then from there on, it's... Yeah. The reason that you don't do that early on is because it tends to slow things down. And that's why people are like, mm -hmm, you know, quality come in the room, you know? Uh, so, so that's what happens, right? So, okay. it's, uh, so it's a, that's why there's a clear demarcation because you don't, uh, there's still requirements that we as a business need to have, you know, data right. is, uh, you know, uh, data acquisition is done under controlled conditions and is archived and retrievable, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily with oversight of quality where we have to verify that was done. So that's okay. where we have a difference. So anything that we're going to do and that's going to go into a regulatory filing uh, that is covered under a GXP regulation, that's mm -hmm. where we would step in. Okay. That is super helpful and a very big role. <laughs> That's yeah. In prep for this, we were looking at your LinkedIn and we thought it was so cool that you lived in Japan for a year as an independent consultant. Could you share a little bit more about that experience and just transitioning to life overseas and how you got the opportunity to go to Japan? Sure. Absolutely. First of all, it was a wonderful experience, and I and I can't stress enough. If you get the opportunity to go to Japan, uh, please do. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful country, and uh, very beautiful on top of it. But uh, I went. I was hired to go as a consultant by a company that I had worked with previously. Okay. Uh, it was a company that had acquired a startup that I was at, uh, and I had worked for previously. And then I had left. Uh, I was. Uh, doing some other things. And I started consulting just for friends and acquaintances, and they happened to also reach out at that time. So I ended up in, in Japan and I was actually staying outside of Tokyo in uh, Scuba, which is, if you have the express train, it's only 30 minutes from, <laughs> from uh, downtown Tokyo. So, uh, and it was great. It was, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Wow. At work in the work environment, everybody is very welcoming, and uh, it's a it's a great cultural experience. You learn about other cultures. Um, uh, you learn about you know 
how to conduct meetings in Japan is different than how we would conduct a meeting here in the United States, for example. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it was a wonderful experience. And I can't stress enough, if you get an opportunity to do that as an expat, you should really consider it. It was That's wonderful. That's amazing. That was actually going to be my follow-up question. My only exposure was in like a few MBA classes. They were like, this is how you hold a business meeting in Japan. <laughs> but how did you learn those, let's call it skills? Were you just thrown in or did you get guidance ahead of time? So that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to make mistakes. There's no doubt. But uh, that started it. And then I was very fortunate that I had co-workers and expats that I worked, had come to the U.S. from that company who were um, kind enough to say, mm, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is good. They had your back. About that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a learning, uh, you know, you just learn over time and, and you'll yeah. get a pretty good understanding I think too that social clue uh, clues like body language is really important uh, in that setting, and you will understand pretty easily. I was going to say it probably helps being there and really in the thick of it, if you will. Is there anything that you remember being like, "Wow, I would never know to do that," or is very different from how we are in a business setting? I'd say there's not that much different. I think mm-hmm. there's just a, a different etiquette, meeting etiquette. It's a little, yeah. uh, so uh, you, most of my Japanese colleagues would never say, no, I disagree. Or I disagree with that. They would, they, they wouldn't, they might go like this. Hmm. <laughs> and, that, and, it, and when they do that, you're like, okay, there's, <laughs> this yeah. isn't exactly, I'm a little off base here. I need to start over. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so it's a, a little bit different where we're much more forward. Uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. and, uh, you know, cut to the point and uh, much more direct, if you will. And yeah. it's not, it's a little bit different. It's a little kinder, I think, and a little, uh, you get to the same place. Mm-hmm. Over time. But um, I also like to think of, uh, I used to explain to, you know, I would come home and my family would be like, so how is it? What's the difference? You know? yeah. And one of the things is that my Japanese colleagues take the time to fully evaluate so if I say I want to make a, a, a ballpoint pen right and I hold mm-hmm. it up and I say I want to make one of these in the U.S. we figure out okay it's a pen it's going to uh, you know we need it to do its function basically mm-hmm. in Japan they look at it and they plan that it's going to have the exact ink with the exact you know mm-hmm. everything will be and they plan and plan and plan and so sometimes that can be frustrating for a us in the U.S. that yeah. there's that planning phase. Now, when they execute, it'll go flawlessly. I was going to say yeah. flawless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and same thing on our side, we'll get there and it's going to be great, but it won't look or be exactly, it might be even better. So, yeah. so it's a little bit different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just have to have patience, I think, about the cultural difference and the approach to how to problem solve. Uh-huh. And that was one of my challenges. Anyway, That's great. That is Really interesting insight. And if anyone is listening, doing business with Japan, now they have the little tip on the hmm. Yes. <laughs> interesting. Be patient. Yeah, be patient. Yeah. I think anywhere working with any new country, people in general, <laughs> that's a yeah. good advice. Yeah. Great. And so when you first started your career, your LinkedIn shared with us that you were at a company for 11 years. Yeah. On a previous episode this season, we were talking about how that is 
rare these days. So I'm curious, do you have any major takeaways? Sure, absolutely. So for me, I was very fortunate during those 11 years that I uh, was in multiple positions that were very, right? So I started in the manufacturing, then I went into uh, uh, the chemical synthesis uh, Mm -hmm. science role. Uh, then I went into process development. So for me, those 10 years were not the same job, yeah. the same place. It was uh, multiple different opportunities within that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that, and that served me well in my career, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, is, is getting exposure uh, across the, across functions. Um, and I think that that was the key for me. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, boring. I would be like a couple of years here. A couple of years. <laughs> So it worked out quite well for me in that respect. That's a good point for employers. When we think about folks leaving after a year, two years, it's probably exactly that they're not getting the opportunities that they want. Do you recall any situations like how you made such drastic moves? Did you raise your hand and ask for it? Or did you have a good manager? So it's a, that's a great question. So uh, I did not raise my hand and ask, it would just, I just kind of, and I say this, uh, you know, jokingly, but it's actually true. Uh, it was just, uh, I was fortunate. I just kind of fell into these things, came mm-hmm. up at the right, I was the right person in the right place at the right time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But to be perfectly honest, it was up to me whether I wanted to take the opportunity. And yeah. so, so for me, I'm not afraid to take a, a chance like that. And so, and I find it intriguing. If I think that it's interesting and it, uh, it looks interesting, I'm most likely going to give it a whirl. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's an amazing attribute. And going to Japan, moving to Boston from LA, it's very clear. Yeah. And it's paid off. <laughs> yeah, it has. And I think that that's the thing that uh, and I definitely, I have a daughter who's out in the business world and I'm always telling her to, to be open to opportunities because you'd be surprised how many things will come your way. Mm-hmm. And if you're open, uh, you, it might be just the right thing at the right time. You wouldn't have considered it, but yeah. um, you, you do have to have filters, right? So well, I'm not yeah. going to, if somebody came to me and said, you know, if you want to uh, open a restaurant, I'd be like, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. no, thank <laughs> you. Uh, but um, but I think you have to be open to those things when they do come. And, yeah. And that's key for me. I, I want to follow up on that last point you just made. So you get an opportunity to do something. It has to be somewhat intimidating or scary and new. But to your point, it's not drastically outside of your real house. You're not opening a new restaurant. But how do you find that balance when your gut is like, whoa, this is going to be scary to move across the country or the world, but I'm going to take it like how do you filter it out so there's always going to be a certain amount of angst right yeah Um, you know and you're always like I don't know you know did I make the right decision and so here's the thing I think for me uh it's important that you don't have regret Mm -hmm. right and so for me taking a, a chance or an opportunity uh is can only be good. It's not going to be bad. It, it, you'll get, I mean, don't get me wrong. There can be horrible experiences <laughs> that you're like, yeah. I'm never doing that again. But what did you learn? You learned you're never doing that again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, but I think it's important to have the attitude of, you know what I'm in, I'm going, and you give it a hundred percent as you walk mm-hmm. through the door. And then uh, you'll be surprised at how much you actually do know 
that you can build on. And there is always people around you that are willing to help if you're, if you're open to asking for it. And I think that's the key for me. You're right. You probably wouldn't have been presented the opportunity if you had no skills to apply to it. So they believed in you. So then it's just believing in yourself. Correct. Exactly. And remember, you know, you, it is possible you will have challenges. I have challenges today in my role, right? But uh, it it doesn't, it, you know, that's expected and you should, you should know that they're going to happen and Mm -hmm. okay, so let's just get on with it and do what we need to do. Definitely don't run at the first sign of a challenge because to your point, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. If you, if you let being afraid, uh, uh, you know, influence all your decisions or uh, impact every decision that you're making, you're not going anywhere. You're not moving. And so uh, to me, I feel like I have to have, I have to be moving in order to get course correction. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm just standing still, like, I don't know, I can't do this. And uh, everybody's filled with self self doubted. I feel like today we're so focused also on like instant gratification, right? So someone gets the opportunity to try something new and they're in their first couple of months and, or even, you know, their first six months, let's say, and they're, they're feeling like, oh, this isn't for me. I don't like this. But again, it takes time to settle into those new positions and those new opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, I think you also, so there, I can tell you, there's been times that I have misjudged a situation, right? Mm. I'm like, in my mind, it's this. Uh, and then I get in, I get into it and I'm like, oh, this is not at all what I thought it was. Right. And it's at that time that you, you have a choice. Right. Uh, and so you can cut and run. Mm-hmm. Done that. I have done that. I have to tell you, I'm like, mm, this is not working on it. <laughs> so, uh, but, but you also have a choice to figure out how, how does it work for you, even though it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Right. So, um, and how you can contribute for us uh, in quality, we, we have a, a, I like to think that we are, uh, we have a great opportunity to impact patient uh, outcome and, and what they're going to receive from our, you know, whatever company I'm working at. So uh, quality oversight, I take very seriously. And so uh, mm-hmm. even though the opportunity might not be exactly what I thought when I walked in the door still can be effective in what I need to do. And so it's about working with your team and uh, your peers to figure out how best to still be effective in that position. But I can tell you, I've had some surprises. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so. so moving forward a bit in your career, could you speak a little about how you first heard about Intellia? And then also when you were in that interview process in the early days, what did you sort of hear about us or learn about us that made you want to join? I was aware of Intellia, but I didn't, uh, I didn't know that much about Intellia. And then I learned the most about Intellia from the recruiter who contacted me. About well, <laughs> so, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, and so uh, the one thing I, I had been being contacted by a ton of recruiters, right? So um, in the cell and gene space, it's a highly competitive landscape mm-hmm. right now. And so there's a lot going on. Um, but the one thing that I was re- really intrigued about Intelia and the thing that I like is that we have multiple modalities. Uh, the science is, is uh, beautiful science. And then during the interview process, I met the team that I'd be a part of, and I absolutely love my team. I, it's just, uh, and I adore working for Eliana, who's my boss. So, um, so it was an easy decision at the end of the day. Right? 
end. <laughs> so yeah. I agree. It is true. You can have one bad egg, as they say, and it can ruin a whole team situation. Yeah. Yep. So hiring is very important. Yeah, exactly. And I think too that uh, even if you, you know, I think if you want people not to bring, uh, mm-hmm. you know, past poor practice with them, but the environment that we have here in Italia uh, supports making sure that they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, I think, right? Because uh, I think for us, um, the the culture and the, and the approach that Italia takes. Uh, I think people realize when you walk in the door, oh, wow, this is how this has to be, you know, and so they adjust and it's a, uh, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for people to really understand what is, what a great company is or great working environment is. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. We spoke a little about your interview experience at Intelia, but when you're interviewing someone for your team, what would you say is the most important trait or strength that you're looking for? I would say that. Um, I'm looking for people who are, number one, um, patient-centric, right? Mm -hmm. So in the quality organization, uh, sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And, uh, but if you always are thinking in the context of the patient, that who's going to, remember, we're in clinical trials. So our patients are really brave to participate in clinical trials, right? And they deserve uh, the best that we can possibly do. Uh, and so making sure that when people are interviewing, if they bring up a patient or that the patients are the focus, uh, I find that to be something that I'm looking for, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I also think that I'm looking for people with a broad background. Like, I appreciate having a broad background. I think it yeah. makes me a better quality professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I do look for people who have tried uh, other things. Um, mostly because in our, we're growing our group and I need a lot of different expertise that uh, Mm -hmm. each person can bring multiple expertise or areas of excellence to our group. Uh, Really looking for people who can walk in the door and and, uh, realize that, you know, there's a lot of work to do and they're not afraid of the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're also trying to make sure that we're, we're building systems and processes that are simplified and, and straightforward and compliant at the same time. So uh, it's a certain mindset, actually. So. Yeah, it is. I like that, actually, because I think at least when I first joined, I was slightly intimidated. I did not have any biotech experience and you're coming in and it is a very small little world, especially in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I felt like a lot of people knew each other or worked together in their past. And so I think it's encouraging to hear You don't have to have this perfect resume that flows in this perfect order. There is no perfect. And in fact, you're probably better off having a lot of different experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, I had somebody on my team ask me, you know, they're looking for a development, uh, a development plan or input on a development plan. And so this person asked, you know, she actually said, uh, I want to be a VP of quality one day. So what would you, you know, how would, what would you recommend? And I was like, yeah. what I would recommend and what I think has served me well is knowing the science behind what we do. You can mm-hmm. be a much better quality person if you understand the science of what Intelia does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it will lead you down the path of being able to do my role. And then looking back at your professional career, what would you say is one of your greatest triumphs? my role now, right? I, I feel like this is uh, 
I'm in a great place. I work for a great company in a great environment with wonderful, incredibly smart, amazing people. Uh, so I feel like this is, uh, this is a, a great place to be. And I feel really good about my team. Uh, we're building a great team and everyone's been very um, supportive within my team uh, of me knowing that I'm new. Uh, and I just, uh, I would say this right now. I've done a lot of different things that I could point to, you know, but I think that right now uh, at this time, this would be it. Yeah, that's great. And then outside of your professional career and your personal life, what would you say is a triumph? I'd say raising a, a, a beautiful, successful daughter. Uh, I am so proud of my child. Uh, I love her with all my heart. She's she's the best thing that I've done to be perfect. Oh. Now. I hope she doesn't hear this because then I'll I, she'll like. <laughs> We use that every time we have a disagreement. Man, I thought it was the best thing. Uh, but uh, I would say that that's the thing I'm the most proud of is, is my girl. Aww. And then our last question that we always ask everyone, and we do recognize you just started at Intelia, but what is next for your career? It's a great question. I, uh, I've had this discussion with Eliana not too long oh, ago. Oh, good. Yeah, about, uh, and uh, I haven't decided yet. There's a bunch of quality initiatives that we are starting and uh, working on. And I, I think right now I just want to focus on that. So I haven't really thought about next step, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Sometimes living in the moment too is a good thing. Yeah, yeah no. I'm sure. So the way things have always gone for me, I usually get an opportunity and I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. But right now I'm focusing on where I am. So yeah. Okay, so now we will enter our rapid fire finale questions. So our first question is, if you could invite one person living or dead to dinner, who would it be and why? Hmm. Water has a, a, a new Corgi puppy and she's not really a puppy anymore, but uh, never knew much about Corgis. Uh, and so it was never a thing, but now it's a thing. So I would, I would say Queen Elizabeth and her Corgis. <laughs> I love that. And I'm sure Maritza loves that answer. I well. love that. <laughs> I would love to know how she got rid of all of the corgi fur that is all over the house. <laughs> exactly. I know, right? I'm puppy sitting today and I'm like, oh my gosh, this dog is the hairiest thing. <laughs> it's so true. So hairy. She must have some magic contraption that just like sucks up all the hair. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, wish. <laughs> and then what is something you're currently working on in your role that you're excited about? Uh, I'm really excited about, we're building our organization, right? We're restructuring a little bit and uh, we have so much talent that we need to also ensure our, there have opportunities for development, right? So, uh, so I think that that's the thing I'm most excited about, um, building the organization and making sure that the people that are here uh, are also getting opportunities to participate in that building exercise. If you will. And, and I think it's going to open up opportunity for a lot of people on the team. So I'm excited about that. And then our last question is always, what is your favorite thing about working at Intelia? The people. I love this company. I, I had my six month uh, check-in with, with uh, John Leonard and he said, how are things going? And I'm like, I, I love this company. It's true. <laughs> Wait, I love that the CEO checked in with you at your six months. That is so nice. Oh my it was nice of him. I was so surprised. I was like, oh my God, because uh, he's a busy man, right? Yeah. So I was, uh, it was very kind of him and I was, you know, nervous, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but uh, and I told him, and it's true. I absolutely love this company. I've been in the industry for, uh, like I said, a uh, little over thirty years, uh, and I can tell you that this is uh, a wonderful organization. And and the way we treat each other, and the way that we treat our our teams, and the expectation, and and I think we have great science, and we have so much opportunity to help patients, truly help patients, and yeah. so. Uh, to me, that it doesn't get any better than that, and I, I'm that's what I, I really, really. And anybody who asks me, uh, I tell them I, I love my job. I love where I work, so it's great. Awesome. Well, well said. Honestly, the perfect way to end. Thank you yeah. so much. This was fantastic. Thank you, Deb, for coming on the show and sharing some of those incredible opportunities that you've been able to take advantage of throughout your career. I know I walked away from this episode knowing so much more about the quality function here at Intelia. Tune in next week to hear from Karen De Silva, who is an HRBP on our HR team here at Intelia. She's going to share all of the complexities that come with working at a biotech company as an HRBP and some of the reasons why she truly thinks Intelia is a top place to work.